Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 22, and it's being brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players as well. For more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can also follow them at Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. And in today's program, we'll go through that was the week that was. Grizzlies currently in the midst of a four-game homestand. Three of the games have been played. Grizzlies have won two of the three. Also some PD's points, and uh, we're going to bring back a couple of segments we haven't done in a while. Uh, we finally got a hold of Doc Holliday for another edition of Doc's Diagnosis. Doc is the former sports anchor at Local 24 here in Memphis after a college football career with the Memphis Tigers and uh, also played for the Los Angeles Rams of the National Football League. So we'll visit with Doc, get his thoughts on the current state of the Grizzlies, also has uh, some thoughts about John Morant and his recent play and we're going to get another edition of 901 knowledge haven't done it in a while and uh greg graber who is at lausanne collegiate here in memphis he has taken on the role of mindfulness guru for a number of sports programs uh, right now most notably working with lsu men's basketball as we head into the ncaa tournament so We'll get some information about Greg and and what mindfulness means uh, to sports figures and uh, some of the folks that he's worked with and uh, some of the some of the theories behind mindfulness and how it can improve your performance in athletic competition. So that's what we've got on the schedule for today. And without further ado, let's get to that was the week that was. Well, the Grizzlies coming off losing a couple of games against Phoenix and Oklahoma City on the road. A little disappointing. Then the Miami Heat come to Memphis. And Miami had won five in a row and 11 of 12 coming into a Wednesday St. Patrick's Day showdown at FedEx Forum. And this turned into an old-fashioned Pat Riley, New York Knicks, Eastern Conference, 1990s type game. Uh, the final ends up being 89-85. The Grizzlies get the win. Uh, no team led by more than nine points in this game. Miami outshot the Grizzlies fractionally 36% to 35.3%. Um, this was not a pretty game to watch. But the Grizzlies, much to their credit, were really dialed in defensively. Um, they held Jimmy Butler to 24 points, which doesn't really sound all that remarkable except for the fact that he had a string of seven consecutive games of 27 or more Butler also with multiple triple doubles this year only two assists for Jimmy Butler Grizzlies got a very balanced attack Uh, they got 13 from Moran 13 from Kyle Anderson and also 13 points from DeAnthony Melton who really put together a strong game with a career high 10 rebounds Um, this was all about Grizzlies defense Their uh, long streak, 84 games of 40 or more paint points, that was snapped. Grizzlies were held to 36. Miami, just a a fantastic defensive team in the paint. Great rim protection with Bam Adebayo. Uh, But the Grizzlies were able to to weather the storm. And uh, 
you know, they, they held Kendrick Nunn to one of five from three, Duncan Robinson three of 11 from three, and um, Miami shot just 23.5% from the three-point line. Now, they were on the second night of a back-to-back. They had won the previous night uh, at home against Cleveland, but uh, the Grizzlies able to get the win. That got them within one game of 500 at 18 and 19. Then Golden State comes in. Golden State, in the midst of a three-game road trip themselves, they were coming off a blowout victory over the I think it's fair to say hapless Houston Rockets, even though Christian Wood came back. Houston setting a new franchise record for consecutive losses. So on Friday, March 19th, Golden State comes in and Warriors roll early. They put up 34 in the first quarter, and this was a game where the Grizzlies had multiple issues. Uh, Defensively, they were not on a string. Defensively, really struggling. Uh, and also struggling with ball security. Grizzlies turn it over 21 times and lose 30 points in this ball game, and that was really hard to deal with. The other piece of it was because their defense wasn't on a string, they had no chance of slowing down Andrew Wiggins, who had been playing good basketball, but he put up 40 points. That's a season high for Andrew Wiggins. Also his best scoring game as a Golden State Warrior, and he did it on all three levels. 14 of 24 from the floor, 6 of 11 from three, 6 of 9 from the free throw line, and also at eight rebounds. Draymond Green comes up with 13 assists and 11 rebounds for the highly unusual, for everybody except Draymond Green, uh, uh, assists and rebound double-double with just two points. And oh, by the way, Steph Curry took an awkward fall the night before in Houston, landed on his tailbone, so he missed that game on Friday. And Golden State outshoots the Grizzlies 48% to 46%. They make 15 threes, the Grizzlies make eight. So when you lose that much off of turnovers and when you're minus seven in three-point makes, it's a lot to overcome. And Golden State played true to their identity. They have more games with 30 or more assists than any other team in the NBA. They lead the league in assists, 31 assists to just 13 turnovers for Golden State, and they win it fairly comfortably, 116 to 103 over the Grizzlies, leading at one point by as many as 25 points. Grizzlies great in the paint, no argument there. They had 60 in the paint, but the Grizzlies give up 21 fast break points, 30 off of turnovers, and 15 threes. And uh, that makes things kind of rough. Grizzlies fall to two games below 500 at 18 and 20 on the year. In this era of COVID uh, basketball, uh, Golden State stays over and let's play two. And on Saturday night, Grizzlies took on Golden State. And now it's an entirely different story because the Grizzlies defense brings much greater effort, much greater level of physicality, which unfortunately for the Grizzlies ended up in Golden State shooting 34 free throws. And Golden State is a middle-of-the-road free throw attempt team, but they get 34 free throws. Grizzlies, however, get 31 free throw attempts in kind, and they actually outshoot Golden State from the free throw line. Um, this was a game that, again, like the Miami game, was not an offensive masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, not because of sloppiness and a lot of turnovers. There wasn't a lot of flow because of the two teams combining to shoot 65 free throws. Neither team could make a shot. I mean, very rarely, well, maybe not all that rarely because it happened in the Miami game. Again, you have two teams that can't shoot better than 40% from the floor, Golden State is held to 34.5% shooting in the ball game. Grizzlies shoot 39%, and they end up winning the ball game 111 to 103. 13 lead changes, eight ties in this. 
Not a whole lot of flow to this basketball game. A lot of complaining to the officials. Draymond Green picked up a technical. Grizzlies end up outscoring Golden State 33-28 in the third and 29-24 in the fourth quarter. Golden State was even more shorthanded. Again, Curry did not play in this basketball game. Alan Smilagic uh, was the starting center for the first time in his NBA career. Kavon Looney was a scratch Saturday afternoon entering into health and safety protocols. So Golden State was was pretty shorthanded. Um, Grizzlies did a much better job against Andrew Wiggins, held him to just 4 of 14 shooting. He did finish with 20, but 10 of those points were coming from the free throw line. Uh, Grizzlies did a, a great job. Hat tip to Brandon Clark. Great, great game from him. 16 points and 6 boards, 7 of 9 from the floor. And Brandon Clark brought great energy off the bench, and that was a reason why the Grizzlies were able to come out of there with a win. Dylan Brooks with 19, but needed 16 shots to get there. Was perfect from the free throw line. He shooting 93% from the free throw line in the month of March, by the way. Valanchunas another double, 19 and 15, with a couple of block shots. Again, not a pretty game for the Grizzlies, but the fact of the matter is they responded really well uh, after defensively being gashed the previous night against Golden State. So with the victory, Grizzlies, again, back within one game of 500. Grizzlies have been hovering uh, at 500 or on both sides of 500 for the last couple months, it seems like, but not able to get anything strung together in terms of wins which would get them into a stronger position. Right now, the Grizzlies certainly in the conversation to get into the play-in round, but uh, they, they would like to put a little bit more distance between themselves and New Orleans and Sacramento and Oklahoma City. And oh, by the way, the Grizzlies will be going back to Oklahoma City to start a road trip coming up later on. So that does it for That Was the Week That Was. Grizzlies go 2-1 and one with one more game on the homestand, and that will be Monday night when they take on the Boston Celtics. Just wanted to ask if you have been listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind, and uh, particularly if you like it, hopefully that you do, uh, that you would leave a rating, uh, leave some comments, let us know if this program is on the right track, if it's giving you what you are looking for, hopefully you are enjoying it. We'd love to have your feedback. So uh, no matter what podcast platform you're using, whether it's iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or Google or wherever you get your podcasts, if you would be so kind as to leave us some feedback about the program, it would be very, very helpful to us. And now back to the program, PD's points. PD's point number one, this Grizzlies team is young, third youngest team by average age in the NBA. Get that. As a result, Wildly inconsistent. Defense was fantastic against Miami. Grizzlies raised their game defensively. They were fantastic. Offensively, it was a struggle. But again, offense against Miami is really, really tough because Miami has a great swarming defense. They will play zone. They will trap. They send multiple defenders at you. So the Grizzlies, I mean, that win against Miami, I mean, Miami's the hottest team in the league. They've won 11 of 12. They've won five in a row. And yeah, they're on the second night of a back-to-back, and they had to travel. But still, the Grizzlies were able to handle their business against a very, very good Miami team that was starting to find its way with Jimmy Butler playing some excellent basketball. Then you come back a couple of nights later, and they just can't stop Andrew Wiggins. And defensively, not communicating, not on the same page, offensively, struggling to shoot the basketball. And 
right now the Grizzlies, if they are going to string some wins together, they have to be more consistent, particularly on the defensive end, because right now the Grizzlies are not shooting the basketball well at all. So their defensive effort has to be consistent. Their communication has to be consistent. And that's something that Taylor Jenkins has been talking to this team about every single day. We have to bring the same work ethic every day. We have to bring the same amount of effort every day, the same level of physicality every day. It's not quite happening yet for this team. And if if they can master the consistency, particularly on the defensive end, it's going to be a huge, huge boon for them. Because that brings me to Petey's point number two, and that is this team is not shooting the basketball well at all. Uh, Over the last four games, they're shooting just 41% from the floor. They've topped 45% in a game just once in the four-game set, and they're shooting just 27% from three. In today's NBA, you have to shoot a reasonable percentage from three. And if you're making 10 or fewer threes, your opportunities to win basketball games are not very high. Grizzlies, quite simply, are going to have to shoot better. That's the only way that this is going to work, along with consistency on the defensive end. Those are the two PD's points for today. Grizzlies need to be more consistent on defense. They need to communicate better on defense and got to make shots. You talk to the Grizzlies coaching staff, they are happy with the shots they are getting, but the bottom line is they're not falling. So hopefully they will start to fall and the Grizzlies can start to make some headway because with the Grizzlies, it's been a, a, a case most of the year of one step back, two steps forward, one step back, one step forward, two steps back. And they just haven't been able to, outside of the seven-game winning streak, haven't really been able to put together a series of solid performances, regardless of opponent. Uh, And it will be intriguing to see how they respond now, coming off a victory over the Golden State Warriors in Game 2 of the weekend back-to-back, when they take on a Boston Celtics team that frankly has struggled. And Boston will be coming in. They will be on the second of a back-to-back. They will play Sunday afternoon against the Sacramento Kings. So see if the Grizzlies can continue to uh, you know, play some good defense and can string some quality performances together because then they go on the road for four. So we'll see how it all plays out. And those are the PD's points for today. And now this reminder that the Grizz Weekly Grind is being brought to you today by the Youth Athletic Foundation. Its mission is to assist young student-athletes in developing a strong work ethic through discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Their goal is to help youngsters understand the importance of working hard to be the very best they can be on the court, in the classroom, and in the community. The YAF has donated millions of dollars to charities, families, local high schools, and youth sports programs. And uh, Mike Miller, now the head coach at Houston High School, Uh, is key in the Youth Athletic Foundation. And congratulations to Mike Miller leading Houston to a Class 3A state title. And uh, very happy for Mike and also for his son, Mason Miller, who is the 3A Mr. Basketball in the state of Tennessee. And now, on with the program. It's another edition of Doc's Diagnosis. As uh, Doc Holliday, former Memphis Tiger football player and NFL player as well, visits with us to Talk a little hoop. Uh, you've seen the Grizzlies play some really good basketball, and then you've seen them play some less than good basketball. What's your What's your take as we start the second half of the NBA season? Well, it's just a young team, man, led by a young superstar. You know, you hate to keep saying the same thing over and over again, but the fact of the matter is our best player is a young player, second-year player, John Moran. He's an extremely good talent, but, uh, you know, it's just a young squad, man. You have ups and downs, and we're still missing our second-best player, so – 
Uh, this is kind of what you expect. You kind of, I hate to see it. You would love to see them elevate and have some consistent success and play consistently well. But, you know, I'm not disappointed. I'm not overly excited, but I'm not uh, disappointed either. Well, what about Justice Winslow? Because the last time we visited, Justice had not played for the Grizzlies. What have you seen in his play that you like? Well, he's just he's, he's just a tough guy. You know, you have you have those tough guys. And I, more than anything, I just like his build, man, because he's built up like a football player, you know. So he kind of fits what you think the Grizzlies would look like. And, you know, I, you know, he's like one of those you would love to see him play with Zebo and Gasol and them guys. But just having Justice, uh, him being able to do the things he can do offensively and defensively and just being that presence and being that big body, it's, it's just what I like the most about him. You talked about John Morant being a young player, and with that comes some inconsistency. You've played professional sports. If you sat down with Ja and talked to him about being – a young man in a professional league, what what would what advice would you give him? I mean, you know, just don't take it for granted. I mean, I know you've had some success, and a lot of times young players and old players as well, they get caught up in the celebrity of things. Not saying Ja does, but, you know, he does some amazingly outstanding things, and a lot of times people, you know, put you on a pedestal, and you can kind of start listening and looking at that kind of stuff and stop working on your game and don't make your game evolve more. As the way Jai is, I would tell him to work, you know, work harder because him being a, a, a guard in the NBA, especially a point guard, and I think he's what shooting 23% from three point range. I mean, uh, you're a guard in the NBA, you got to shoot better than that. But when you're somebody like Jai, who you know you can take somebody off the dribble anytime you want, you can dunk on them, you can posterize them, you can do all kinds of highlights that they can't stop you and stay in front of you. You kind of tend not to work on your outside game, but if I could, if I was talking to Ja, I'd say remain hungry. Think about that next contract. You see all these people signing this money, man, they're getting paid 30 and $35 million a year. That's you. That's you. It's coming. So think about that, man, and con continue to stay hungry. And he took Jimmy Butler, one of the better defenders in the league, off the bounce for the game-winning bucket against the Miami Heat. Coming up against the NBA trade deadline, uh, Grizzlies have a lot of healthy guys right now. Jaron is the only guy who is who is not who is hurt. By the way, um, do you make any deals? Do you stand pat? I mean, right now, if the, if the playoffs started, you're you're right in that mix to get into the play-in round. Well, I mean, you know, I'm 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 one of those men. Who do you really want to give up? I know we have a lot of good, healthy, you know, wing players, but you need good wing players. You know. Uh, what are your expectations for this season? I know what Taylor Jenkins is going to say. You know, I want to make the playoffs, win the championship. But do they, does he really believe that? I mean, do we really have a chance? You know, so I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they do make a trade. I wouldn't be surprised if they just stay put. I will be surprised if Jaron Jackson Jr. plays this year. You know, uh, I, I would just let him sit out, man. But, you know, me being a fan and me looking long-term, you know, to be honest, I'm not expecting the NBA championship from us this year. You know, uh, we're, we're right there in 10th. You know, you have these other great teams, but I, I just wouldn't – I wouldn't be upset if they did make a trade. I wouldn't be upset if they did make a trade. You know, I would think continue to, to develop this young core and these young players you've got and give them more experience, you know, until your second big horse comes back. Now we're visiting with Doc Holliday, another edition of Doc's Diagnosis. Let's shift to college basketball. The NCAA tournament is starting. Have you filled out a bracket? Have you have you selected who you think is going to make the Final Four and, and, and lift the trophy? Not at all, man. My Memphis Tigers didn't make it so, Pete, I don't give a damn. Excuse my language, man. <laughs> my Memphis Tigers not in there, man, so I get so dejected. I probably won't even watch it. But 
you know, uh, uh, you know, now nah, I'm not, I, I haven't filled out a bracket because I'm really that upset, man. And that dejected and disappointed. But now you are, you are going to follow the NIT, of course. With the of, course. Yeah. of course, of course. I'm especially that first game we playing Dayton, Jalen Crutcher, a kid, um, a young man from Memphis, man, who was outstanding at Ridgeway. And I did not understand why Tubby did not offer that young man a scholarship because as well as he's played in the in, in, in college, he was that cold and unguardable in high school. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see him play against those Memphis Tigers. You know, it was kind of the nicest story maybe coming out of the, the weekend of conference championship games, Josh Pastner and Georgia Tech getting into the tournament, winning the ACC championship. I know that Josh had a little bit of a rough ride here in Memphis, but I don't think you could find a classier guy to uh, to represent your program than Josh Pastner. No, and you know, I think he probably still uses that flip phone as well, man. Josh just, you know, Josh Pastor's just, seriously, you hear people say, oh, he's a good guy. And a lot of times people be lying. But Josh Pastner is really a good guy. He's always humble, always has time to respond to text messages, man. So to see him have that success, I mean, we're happy for him. I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm pretty sure Memphis Tigers basketball fans are happy for him because he didn't leave on bad terms. We kind of understood it was time for him to leave. He kind of understood it was time to leave. And he left on good terms. So uh, just to see Josh have some success because he was young. And he's been doing it at a young age. And he's been learning and learning as he goes. So to beat Florida State, you know, one of the best teams in, in college basketball, in my opinion, man, to win the ACC, salute to old Josh. Because he's old now, Pete. He used to be young. He's old now. <laughs> He's still younger than me. That's all. That's that's the thing. One last thing for you, Doc. Tell us uh, what you're up to and what your Twitter handle is, in case anybody wants to uh, to hear what you're all about. Well, right now I'm uh, I'm the director of broadcast operations and content development at Russ College down here in Holly Springs, which is basically I'm the general manager for that television station. So you know it's a blessing, man. It's a job I wasn't even looking for. I was chilling. I was cool when I decided to leave Local 24. I have, you know, I got my podcast with me and my brother Isaac Bruce, uh, Ramblings, Believe in Rams. We talk about the Rams, and uh, uh, so you know, I'm I'm doing that now, and it's 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 fun. I'm looking forward to it. We got some great students down here. We got a great president, and Dr. Ivy Taylor. I'm having fun. And my Twitter handle is at the underscore Doc Holiday with two L's. At the doc underscore doc holiday so that's my twitter handle pete and it's just always good talking to you man i hate we couldn't hook up last week see me and pete tried to hook up last week we can get it done but this week when pete hit me back i was like you know what i don't give a damn what i got going on i got mr pranica man <laughs> doc man i appreciate you you take care and we'll uh, we'll be in touch you too brother i appreciate you nothing quite like a conversation with doc holiday uh never without an opinion uh, and always a lot of fun to talk to and uh, great energy. And I, I love talking to Doc, and I'm glad we were finally able to catch up. He has become a very, very busy man down there in Holly Springs. One of the things that attracted me to doing this podcast when I was asked by the Basketball Podcast Network was they said, we would like for you to not just limit yourself to the Memphis Grizzlies, but to talk about other things Memphis. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool because having been here now for 17 seasons, I know a lot of different people, a lot of intriguing people with great stories to tell and uh, great backgrounds. And one of those is Greg Graber, teaches at Lausanne Collegiate, uh, had been headmaster of the middle school and now is working on a mindfulness curriculum to be used in the school. Uh, mindfulness is something that a lot of professional athletes have used. Uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant was big on meditation. 
Um, Jamal Murray with the Denver Nuggets meditates before every game. Uh, meditation and mindfulness can be helpful to anybody. You do not have to be an athlete in order to benefit from it. Uh, I've worked with Greg. Uh, Greg has, has been my, uh, my mentor in the uh, mindfulness journey, and uh, I meditate every single day, and I have for the last two and a half years. And uh, Greg has been instrumental in, in helping me find the way uh, in meditation and mindfulness, and it's helped me, and I hope it will help you. And uh, that is to the subject of today's 901 Knowledge. We're visiting with Greg Graber, who is, uh, Greg, I don't know if I should just say mindfulness guru or, or what have you. I mean, you've written a book on the subject called Slow Your Roll. Uh, you have advised countless athletic teams on mindfulness. But Greg, when you came to mindfulness, you came to it as, as a bit of a skeptic through your wife. Tell us how that happened. Yeah, like, like most people, you know, or a lot of people, especially a few years back before mindfulness was mainstream, um, you know, it had all those sort of touchy feely connotations. My wife took me, uh, my wife, Holly is a Ironman five-time finisher. So she's always looking for a little extra edge to give herself performance wise from a mental perspective. So she suggested that we go to a mindfulness class. So we went to a yoga studio in Midtown Memphis and, uh, every stereotypical connotation that you could have about mindfulness or meditation came to fruition Pete, in that session. I found it to be really sort of a touchy feely kind of hippy dippy, a lot of humming and incense and uh, kumbaya. So I swore it off. I said, I'll never go back to another one of those classes. Uh, to make a long story short, I was a, a marathon runner and an ultra distance runner came across a couple of months later after this incident, uh, an article in Runner's World that talked about mindfulness from a scientific and uh, psychological perspective. And it kind of piqued my interest and I, I got into it that way, so. So your wife, Holly, obviously got into it because of her athletic endeavors, then, then you discovered it. And then you were able to work with several athletic teams. You work with Josh Pastner and the Memphis Tigers basketball team. You worked with Virginia Commonwealth. You're working with Will Wade at LSU right now. So when you go in and you meet, say, a, a collegiate athlete and you start talking to them about mindfulness, what, what's the general response that they give you when you, when you start your talk? Well, years ago when I first started working, I guess the first major program that I worked with was Josh Pastner and the Memphis Tigers back then. Uh, they were nationally ranked, really strong. Uh, kind of the same reception, you know, that I gave it. I, they weren't too fond of it. Now it's, it's fairly mainstream. You know, I've worked with the Grizzlies as well, uh, some NBA coaches. Um, I address it from a mental performance perspective, though. And typically, if you can tell a high-level athlete that this is going to give them a mental edge, a little bit about the science behind it, and who else uses it. So, you know, Kobe was really into it. Of course, LeBron, we all see LeBron advertising the Calm Meditation app on television. Of course, there's George Mumford and Phil Jackson who did it, you know, when the Lakers were with the Lakers and the Knicks and the Bulls. Um, it's somewhat of an easy sell, especially to basketball players now. Uh, 10, 12 years ago when I got into it, not so much. So, Greg, when, when, when you sit down and, and you meet with an athlete, what is the first thing that you are trying to get them to do? Once they say, okay, I'm going I'm to buy into this mindfulness thing, what, what do you direct them to do? Where, where do you take them first? 
So typically, Pete, before I even talk to the athlete, I make sure that the coach is really into it. If the coach is into it and acts interested, typically the team will follow, especially with a college team. Pros are sometimes a little bit different. What I tell them to do is I'm going to teach them mental techniques. I'm going to help them cultivate a mental toolbox in which they can utilize to use their mind, essentially, instead of having their mind use them all of the time. Um, and typically, they'll buy in. So I'll teach them different techniques, um, sort of different ways to frame their thoughts and emotions. I call it thinking about their thinking. Sort of the second tier that I use is deep breathing. We all see guys who've worked with people like me on the free throw line is probably the most visible uh, illustration of that. You know, they'll take a deep breath before they take free throws. Then I'll teach them a little bit about meditation and we'll work on visualization. People talk sometimes about mindfulness and meditation being the same thing. They're, they're, they're not quite the same thing. So differentiate those two for us. Yeah, meditation, sort of mindfulness is the overarching umbrella. And one of the definitions of mindfulness that I use primarily is mindfulness is being fully engaged in the present moment uh, with as little judgment or distraction uh, as possible. And meditation is one of the tools or exercises that you use to cultivate uh, a mindfulness practice or mindset or advantage. And give us an example of maybe a particular athlete, you don't have to name names, that came to you afterwards and said, wow, Greg, this, this is really fantastic. This really helped me in an appreciable way. Yeah, um, there's so many. I would say probably, and I'm not, I'm not talking anything that's confidential because this was in the media here in Memphis. Austin Nichols, very heralded player coming out of high school, signed with Memphis uh, his freshman year. He uh, suffered from performance anxiety, and Josh Pastner put us together, and uh, we really clicked, and he really attribute, attributed sort of our mindfulness work together, his mindfulness practice for help, helping him get over that barrier and, and take his middle game to the next level. I'd say another one would be Will Wade at LSU. Uh, I work with a lot of coaches as well. Um, you know, it's helped him immensely. So – you referred to a player at the free throw line, deep breaths and visualization. So that's what you do with a player. And, and you bring up an interesting point that you're working with Will Wade. How different is your approach with a coach as opposed to a player? It's totally different. So typically the coaches will bring me in and they'll tell me that they want me to work with the players that the coaches will always say, I don't need it. I'll never forget Josh Pastner who, was at Memphis and now he's at Georgia Tech, really good friend of mine. He told me the first time, yeah, I'll give you about five minutes, come in and just kind of sprinkle some mindfulness over the players. And you know how Josh is, Pete, really high strong, <laughs> great guy all over the place. And I'm like, Josh, you need this as much, if not more than the players, right? So um, typically I'm not that upfront with the coaches. Some of them can they have quite healthy egos, so I kind of work around the back end <laughs> with it. Uh, but I really tell them, I it's symbiotic. If I can get them calm and focused and in a good spot uh, psychologically or mentally, then it's going to be it's going to carry over to the players. You know, I've worked with teams before, um, 
and I've gotten the players in a really good spot, but then the coach goes crazy and it's all kind of thrown out the window. It's got to be a really cohesive, cohesive team effort together for it to be successful. Yeah, if the players buy in and the coach doesn't, it, it probably makes it uh, particularly difficult. And uh, we're visiting with Greg Graber, mindfulness coach, to a number of collegiate programs, has also worked in the NBA uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies on mindfulness and training for excellence in sports and the author of the book, Slow Your Roll. For those who are not familiar with the book, Slow Your Roll, tell us a little bit about how it's laid out and, uh, and where people might be able to get a copy if they haven't already. Yeah, um, it's basically, you know, whenever I'd work with a team or a corporation or a school or an organization, I would always get the question after the presentation, do you have a book? So finally it dawned on me, it would be a good idea to put some of these tips together and a few anecdotes and stories. So, um, and I thank you, Pete, you contributed to it as well. Um, I think it's really good. Even if you don't think you're into mindfulness, uh, even if you're just really into basketball, uh, I think it's, uh, it's got some good stories for you about some teams and coaches that, that most likely you're, you're familiar with or, or you've heard of. So once you've written a book, I guess the next most frequent question is, do you have another book coming out? Are, are you working on anything? I know that you're working with the students at Lausanne Collegiate uh, on a mindfulness curriculum. Is there, is there another book in your word processor? Yeah, I've been the last couple of years since Slow Your Roll came out. I've been working on a second book, Teaching Emotional Intelligence for Kids, kind of going back and forth with it. It's a uh, it's an excruciating process. Um, writing a book is a little bit, you know, sometimes you're really mindful and you get in the flow and other times it's the mental equivalent of res wrestling a sumo. So uh, hopefully that'll be out in the next year or so. <laughs> it's not always easy. Obviously, mindfulness meditation can have great benefit for athletes trying to perform at a high level, but it can benefit anybody in any walk of life if someone wanted to dip their toe in the water uh what would be some good resources for them to avail themselves of so there are some really good apps now everybody has heard of headspace that's the app that the nba uses um another good one like i mentioned earlier is calm c-a-l-m the one that lebron i don't know if lebron is an investor or he just uh, endorses it one that I prefer um, is called Insight Meditation Timer. And these are really good. Um, they have guided meditations that kind of walk you through it. And uh, the advice that I would give people would be, it's not how much that you meditate. It's just having a consistency with it is really important. If you think about it, Pete, we live in this accelerated culture where everything happens at warp speed at the push of a button. And our minds and emotions really, you know, are sort of wired in an ancient way. It's hard to keep up with all this technology and breakneck speed, you know, that happens in our lives. It's good to have a mental reset button. And, you know, we're starting to see more and more mindfulness programs in schools and hospitals and the military with sports in the business world. It just really makes sense to give ourselves that mental reset every now and then. And you are doing some mindfulness, of course, with COVID-19, things are, things are changed. But um, I know that for our listeners in the Memphis area that you do some mindfulness classes, where can they access that locally? Yeah, um, 
I do every Saturday when it's not raining now, I'm outside at the uh, Crosstown Concourse. Uh, Church Health Center sponsors this. It's a free mindfulness and meditation session. It's every Saturday at 930 uh, in front of the garden, sort of adjacent to the brewery of all places. <laughs> my, my, my mindfulness and beer there there's there's a combination we, for we you. won't talk about that pete right um, <laughs> yeah. of course of course well greg thanks so much for the time and uh, you have a website with with resources where can people go i do it's uh greggraber.com and i have resources uh my blog you can get my book on amazon is the quickest and easiest way to do it it's uh in kindle form too for those who prefer to read it electronically so I've enjoyed talking to you, Pete. It's good seeing you. It's been a while. It has been a while. Thanks so much for your time. Hope you enjoyed that bit of 901 knowledge from Greg Graber. Really, really good guy, good friend. And uh, his work has benefited a lot of people in a lot of ways. So appreciate Greg's time for that edition of 901 Knowledge. Well, today's show has been brought to you by Garner Framing Company. If there was one thing you could do, one bold action, you could take one inspired choice you could make, one investment guaranteed to transform Memphis, would you do it? If that answer is yes, here's your chance. The Grizzlies Foundation is looking for Memphians to be the difference in a child's life by becoming a volunteer mentor. There are 800 youth in Memphis waiting for your decision today, so don't delay. Join the movement. Become a mentor at grizzliesfoundation.org. The message brought to you by the generous support of Garner Framing Company, serving Memphis for 70 years and a proud supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. They're doing framing consultations by appointment. Call them at 901-685-7796. Chris Garner and his group, I guarantee, will do a great job with whatever you need framed. They do fantastic work, and they are great people and great supporters of the Grizzlies Foundation, and we appreciate all they do in the Memphis community. That's a wrap for Episode 22 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. We Thank Doc Holliday for stopping by and also Greg Graber. More great guests on the way, so stay tuned. Keep it right here. I'm Pete Pratica. Thanks so much for listening to the Grizz Weekly Grind, and we'll see you next time. 